Take our Bibles, go to Galatians chapter number five. We've been looking for several weeks at living biblically. We are taking a little bit of a rest period here, if I may say that, and that I want to spend some time. We looked a couple weeks ago at this passage in which are listed the fruit of the Spirit, and we went over those in the sermon a couple weeks ago. There are nine portions of this fruit listed. There are 17 works of the flesh listed in the preceding verses. So I want to take the time to look at these different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Last week we looked at the subject of love. Today we are looking at the subject of joy, but the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is love and joy. So considering this topic, joy, we live in a world today that has lost a lot of joy. There are a lot of people who have no joy. Suicide rates are up. Depression is up. The psychiatrists and the psychologists are all full of patients visiting them because of needs. Christian psychologists, Christian counselors, are again visiting with a lot of people and many or most of them are because they don't have peace in their heart. They don't have that joy that only can come through Christ. This concept that we're considering is number one, as believers, those who have trusted Jesus as their savior have been convicted of their sin by God, realize that they are a sinner and have the understanding in their mind that Jesus died on the cross for their sin, paid their death penalty, and paid the price for their sin, and that by putting their faith and trust in Jesus' finished work on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, and by acknowledging to God that they are a sinner in need of a Savior, and want a transformation in their life. Salvation is not fire insurance. It's not just an insurance policy to keep you out of hell so you can continue doing what you're doing. Salvation is a change, a transformation. It's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit where we enter into that relationship with God as a hell-bound sinner And through the new birth, we come out a heaven-bound sinner. We are not perfect, but we have a change that takes place on the inside. And that change happens because God, the Holy Spirit, who is not there, moves in and begins to live inside of us. If you're here today as a Christian, you have God, the Holy Spirit, inside of you. Now, we can't see him. We can't feel him, we can't touch him, but he is there. The Bible tells us that he is. And as he lives inside of us as believers, he has a plan for our life that we will continue to be more of what God wants us to be and display all of the characteristics of Christ. And so as we yield to the leading of God, say, Lord, here I am, a vessel. I want you to use me, help me, 
Give me peace, give me direction, give me uh, leadership in my life and help me to be obedient to you. The Spirit of God makes transformation. And when we have a believer who is under the control of and being led by the Holy Spirit, this is what's going to show up in their life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. As we see those develop in our lives, they are going to show on the outside. And so as believers, we ought to be people with joy. Now, it doesn't mean that we are exempt from hard times. It doesn't mean that we struggle when those hard times come. We weep and we mourn for situations, for people, for circumstances. It doesn't mean that we're never grieved. But this joy is closely related to gladness and happiness. Although it is more a state of being than an emotion. It's a state of being. It's You look at a person and you say, okay, that person has joy. They're going through a hard time right now. But you can see that they still have joy in the Lord. They're hurting over the difficulties. They're challenged by what they're facing. But they still have the joy of the Lord in their life. And that is believers what we should have. It's a state of being more than emotion. It is a result of one's choosing. This matter of being a joyful believer is a matter of us making the choice. We can choose to be disgruntled and unhappy. We can choose to complain and bellyache about things. We can choose to be a critic and have a critical, unforgiving spirit. Or we can choose to be a person filled with joy. And that's what we're looking at. Having joy is part of the experience of being a Christian. From time to time, one hears of a believer losing their joy. Maybe you've talked to someone who's a professing believer. I've just lost my joy. Lost the joy of the Lord. I don't have it. I used to be happy in the Lord, but I'm not there anymore. Okay. The fact is that as a Christian, it is the Holy Spirit that indwells us. Thus, to lose one's joy is to have lost that fellowship with and control of the Holy Spirit by our own choosing. If you're here today and you're a believer and you say, I've lost my joy, then you need to find out about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You have made a choice to not allow him to be totally in control of your life and allow him to see you through hard times. Allowed him to give you the victory, even though Satan wants to defeat you with what you're facing. This matter of having joy is a matter of one's Choosing to have joy. Many of you are going through very challenging times. Some of you are facing things in your life that are not going to go away. They're there. They're part of who you are and you will deal with them till the day the Lord calls you home. 
but yet you still display a joy in the Lord, a happiness in Christ. Does that mean you're always having a great day? No, because joy is more a state of being than an emotion. I can be joyful in the Lord and be really weighted down about something that's going on in my life or in someone else's life in the church and feel this heavy burden that just seems uh, so heavy to carry it. But I still have the joy of the Lord because I know I can take that burden to my God and leave it with him and he will guide through that burden. And I can still have that joy of the Lord. This matter of joy is an interesting subject. Point number one, joy to the world came in the form of Christ's birth. In Luke 2, verses 8 to 14, when Christ came to the earth, came in the form of Christ's birth. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. I'd have been sore afraid too. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Joy came to the world in the form of Christ's birth. The phrase, good tidings of great joy. Good news which is filled full of rejoicing and gladness. The good news of the Messiah coming. The good news that the Messiah is bringing deliverance. The good news that the Messiah is available for any who will seek for him, the good news, this good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. This good news is not restricted to a few, but is meant for everyone, everywhere. Good news of great joy. The good news of Christ coming to the earth resulted in praise and glory given to God the Father. Indeed, the good news of Jesus coming to the earth created an opportunity for people to experience true peace and harmony among mankind. This is only available through the miracle of salvation. Those who reject the miracle of salvation only experience the opposite of peace and goodwill among men. How many thousands of people are waking up this morning or wake up this afternoon feeling horrible? Their system will be all out of kilter. Their head will be about to explode. 
They will have to go through the whole day laying low with the shades pulled and no noise because last night they went out into the world to find their joy because they thought that joy was an emotion. And now they're paying for that joy, if you can call it that, today with horrible physical problems. And that's what the world does. The world does not know the joy that comes with salvation. If you're here today and you're saved, you should be a joyful individual because your name is written in heaven and you have the promises of God with you and you have God always with you and you have God always desiring to lead you and guide you so you're not left alone. You're not on your own. You have the Lord as your helper. And you should have the joy of the Lord because joy to the world came in the form of Jesus Christ's birth. Go to chapter 15, Luke 15. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. So you have Jesus deciding to gather together in a group of sinners. People that the society knew were sinners. The other side of the street you have these religious zealots standing over there with their critical, harsh, unkind spirit saying, look at Jesus. He decides to hang out with the wrong crowd. And that's what you have here. This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which was lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, and saith unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver if she lost one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her neighbors and her neighbors together and saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece that was lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. But notice what we see. There is joy in heaven over those who repent of their sin. This tells us this, the importance of salvation. This tells us what makes the Father happy. And that is seeing unsaved people get saved. 
How many unsaved people are you going to bring to Christ if you have a grumbling, complaining, joyless attitude? How many? On the other side, how many people will you bring to Christ or cause to question their condition if they see you when they know you're going through difficulties, maybe co-workers at work know that there's a real difficult time going on in your life personally, health-wise, or you with your family, yet they see you have this joy, this unspeakable attitude and demeanor about you that you come into work, you do your job, you don't complain. When someone speaks to you, you speak to them, or vice versa, you speak to them first. And you display a spirit of kindness and happiness, even though your world's crumbling around you. How much more powerful will that kind of testimony be in reaching someone for Christ? Because they realize that you have joy. You see, your joy and my joy in the Lord is a witness and a testimony to the unsaved who do not have joy. They have the world's joy and it's destructive. It's damning them to hell. You and I have an opportunity to exhibit before them the joy that is found in heaven. John 15, verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that your joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. For the believer, joy comes through surrender and service to God. Jesus says, I'm the vine, I'm the source of life. You are a branch coming off of the source of life. As I infiltrate your life with my love and my control, you will produce fruit that glorifies me and brings happiness to the Father. 
And this is the only way that you as a believer can have joy. You cannot have joy by being a self-centered Christian. You cannot have joy by restraining all of your talents and abilities and not using them for the Lord. You cannot have joy by refusing to serve other people when you have opportunity. You will only have joy when you are serving Christ and serving others. Joy comes through the birth of Christ. Joy in heaven when a sinner repents and receives the gift of salvation that Jesus brought through his birth. And when that sinner repents and is saved, they receive continuing joy in their life by surrendering to and serving their God. We find point number four, that joy is found in staying focused on Christ and what he has done for us as believers. Spending time thinking about Jesus, who he is, what he's done, the sacrifice that he made for us, the love that he has exhibited to you and me and does exhibit to you and me every day of our life. Philippians 3.1, in addition, my brothers and sisters, Rejoice in the Lord to write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. You don't joy in your circumstances, in your events, because those change. Jesus never changes. And we can have assurance when we are rejoicing in Christ, that joy is going to remain no matter what we deal with in our personal lives. And many of you are displaying that and have displayed that. The joy that you have demonstrated in the hard times that you have gone through or are going through. You're exalting Christ and looking to Him. And you are a wonderful testimony of what this joy is all about. And I thank you for that. I thank you for being willing to let Christ work in and through you. But we find joy when we focus on Jesus. Number five, joy should be found in the believer at all times and in all circumstances. 2 Thessalonians 5, 16-19 Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the Spirit. 1 Peter 1, 3-6 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, 
undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, you who are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now, for a short time if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. Matthew 5, 11 to 12. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For this is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Acts 5, 38 to 41. So in this present case, I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. For if this work is of human origin, it will fail. This is what the religious crowd was saying about the followers of Christ. Stay away from them because if this plan's of human origin, it's going to fail. But, verse 39, if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even be found fighting against God. They were persecuted by him. After they called in the apostles and had them flogged, they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and released them. Then went out the disciples from the presence of the Sanhedrin, grumbling and complaining because of the abuse they had just received. No. They went away from the Sanhedrin, the religious zealots that persecuted them, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of his name, the name of Jesus. James 1, 2 through 4, Consider it great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. First Peter 4, 12 to 14, dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Did you catch that? How many times in our lives does a fiery ordeal come and the first thing Satan says is, why is this happening to you? Or our old nature says, why am I having to go through this? You know what we've done? We've just lost our joy. Because now we're focused on me. Why am I having to go through this? When we should be saying, I am happy to go through this because of all that Jesus went through to purchase my salvation. Focusing on Christ continually brings joy. And there's that moment and time, and we all face it. There's not one of us that doesn't. When some challenge hits us unexpectedly, 
that we, our first reaction is to be, why? Why is this happening to me? And then the Spirit of God should take over. We're going to have that human response. But we should suddenly have the Spirit of God say to us, hey, be calm. I've got this. This is all part of my plan for your life. And the joy of the Lord returns. A state of being more than an emotion. Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the suffering of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when His glory is revealed. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Those of you that are going through challenges and hard times, and for some of you, you know they're not going to go away. They're going to be a life experience. It's not what you chose. It's not what you wanted. But it's there nonetheless. Those of you like me that are getting older and suddenly you're finding there are pains you never had before. And it hurts to walk. It hurts to move. You sit for a while, you get up, and you're stiff like a board. You think, why? No, it's not why. Jesus told us that our bodies would deteriorate with time. And it's just a reminder that we're getting closer to heaven. And we have to ask the Lord for the grace to continue and do what He's called us to do and be what He's called us to be and help us not to lose our joy because of the suffering that we're going through. Now, Jesus never suffered from old age. But let me tell you, when they got finished with beating Him before they placed Him on the cross, His body had aged enormously. He knew what it was like to hurt he knew what it was like to have friends betray him. He knew what it was like to be falsely accused. He knew what it was like to see the suffering of others. Jesus knows. And so Peter says, listen, when you go through these fiery ordeals, these difficulties, and you have unusual events in your life, just remember you're to rejoice because you're carrying about the suffering that Jesus went through. There's not a pain that you have that Jesus didn't experience. There's not a heartache that you face that Jesus didn't face. There's not a crushed relationship that you have experienced that Jesus didn't experience. There's not a lie or an accusation about you that Jesus did not experience. He knows it all. He understands it all. Because He went through it all. And therefore, He is a gracious and merciful Savior and Deliverer. He's the one that can continue to give us the joy that we need in the hard times. Number six, 
Christ has left the believer an example to focus on. Hebrews 12, 1-3 Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run the race with patience, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, the joy set before him, because he knew he would experience great joy by doing what he did. Who for the joy set before him chose to endure the cross, chose to despise the shame. And now he is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. Sometimes the burden gets heavy and long and just eats away at us. And we think, will it ever end? Will I ever have any relief? Will this never change is this what I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of my life till the Lord takes me home? And the answer may be yes. But you and I make a choice when going through that. We make a choice, a conscious decision to focus on the problem or to focus on Jesus. And the Bible says that he went through all of this abuse knowing the joy that he would get later. Folks, there's joy coming for you and me. No matter what you're dealing with right now, there's joy coming. And therefore, since you know there's eternal joy coming, you can have joy now in looking forward to the eternal joy. And you can have the peace and the Happiness of Jesus Christ in your heart today. And you can display that to others. Because you're under the control of the Spirit of God. And when you're under the control of the Spirit of God, the fruit He will produce is love and joy. The only way a believer will lose their joy is by taking their eyes off of Christ and what He has done for us to bring about our salvation and sanctification. Keep your eyes on Him because He is worthy. Focus on Him. Meditate on Him. Rejoice in Him because He has done it all for you and me. Let's pray. Now, Father, you know every heart here today. You know what every person's going through. You know the struggles they're facing know the challenges that they're dealing with. And I'm asking, Lord God, that you will protect this audience of people and you will place about them a wall of protection and relief 
that even in the midst of their challenge, they can still focus on you, still focus on how good they really have it because of the eternal hope that we have, and help all of us to remember that whatever we go through is only temporary, or it may last for several years. It may last till the day we die, but it's only temporary because when we leave this world, we shall be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, and we shall be delivered from the pain and suffering and heartache that we have had to deal with in this sin-cursed world to help us to stay focused on Jesus, help us to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father. Help us to never take our eyes off of Christ. And I pray, God, for those who here maybe that do not know Jesus as their Savior, that you will convict them and cause them to lose the joy of the world and look for the joy that only Jesus can provide. Bring us back at the five o'clock hour, ready to worship and rejoice in you. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.